I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game. The feel of the grass. Smacking that ball all over the field. Making plays. Diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men. Watching their knees buckle on a called third strike. Set out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs. The base hits. The big, big home runs. At the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story. A CMG podcast. And just like I said last week, thank you, Joe. And I'm definitely looking forward to that podcast. Uh, Joe, a whiff of greatness, talking about his wiffle ball career and, and his current career in wiffle ball. So I'm excited for that. But we got to get to the big news this week, and it's finally happened. The Cowboys, Jerry Jones finally caved in and paid Dak Prescott four years, $160 million, $126 million guaranteed, and a uh, $66 million signing bonus. And it finally happened. And, and I think the Cowboys had to do this. I mean, th- obviously they should have done it earlier, but they needed to do this because, you know, really, I mean, he, he, he's not an elite quarterback, but he's a top 10 quarterback. And what were you going to replace him with? I mean, he's proven the last two years, he, as you saw when he went out last year, the Cowboys were definitely a different team. I mean, you saw the Cowboys were averaging 30 points a game. Uh, when he was in there, they were averaging under 20 points a game when he was out of there. So he was a, it was a big, it was a big, big difference when he, when he was in uh, to when he was out. So the Cowboys needed, needed to do this. Uh, and I, and I'm really happy for Dak Prescott. I mean, we obviously, me and Jace were, we know for sure, me and Jace were watching that game last year when he, when, when he, when he had that injury, we both were watching that game. It was sad to see, even though we don't like, both don't like the Cowboys, it was sad to see him, you know, get carted off the field like that, but I'm really happy for him. And it finally happened. And now the pressure's on Jerry and Steven Jones to not make this Tony Romo 2.0. Tony Romo was good enough to win a Super Bowl, but Jerry Jones and Steven Jones didn't do a good enough job putting a team around Romo for him to win a Super Bowl. Now the pressure's on Jerry and Steven Jones and where this team's going to have to – because this team's not – yes, this will be the this will be the one year where they'll have – they don't have a ton of cap space because of the pandemic, but the, this is the lowest Dax cap hit will be in this contract. He has a $22 million cap hit this year. So if they do if they do release some guys, they will have some sort of cap space to do something in free agency. But the biggest key for the Cowboys is they are going to have to draft really, really, really well on defense for this for the, for them to be a Super Bowl contender because this defense last year was 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 one of was one of the worst in the league. It, it was clearly a bottom ten defense. There's really one player you can trust on this defense, and that's Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, because Jalen Smith and Landon Vanderesh, they've been inconsistent. They don't have a consistent second pass rusher. Their secondary is absolutely terrible. So. It is so crucial for Jerry and Steven to draft really, really well for this deal to work. If they don't, this, 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 it, 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 if they don't, if they, if they're not Super Bowl contenders or they don't get to an NFC Championship game in this four-year stretch, it is not on Dak Prescott. It is on Jerry and Steven Jones. So I'll ask you a couple questions about this, Justin. First, there's two questions. One is a hard question. One's a pretty easy question. Does this move make the Cowboys the best team in the NFC East? At the moment, I do believe so. Just with their with the offense, with all the weapons they have, I know the offensive line needs some rework and defense. They you all know, need needs to be rebuilt. 
But I, but I don't know how many teams in this division could really slow them down and be able to keep up with these guys because, you know, with all the weapons they have, I think they'll be able to score 25, 30 points a night. And right now, you know, Steve, could the Giants do that consistently? Could You know, Washington can't do that consistently. Probably not the Eagles. So I, I do think that they are the favorite right now in the NFC, bringing back that press. Because like, you can see they were a different team without him. He was a leader in that locker room, and they really missed that presence with him being on the field and in the locker room last year. Absolutely. I say they were an eight win team with him last year. I'd say they probably would have finished eight and eight, won the division, lost to Tampa in the first round. For me, for me, it's TB, TBA, TBD to say they're the best team in the NFC East. I really don't have an answer to that question yet because I think that I think we got to see what the Redskins are going to do. Washington, I'm sorry. We've got to see what Washington's going to do at quarterback because they have a really good defense and they beat Dallas pretty good both times last year. Yeah, the second game, the score wasn't as as indicative as the game was, but the first time, they destroyed Dallas. Even though Dak didn't play, even if Dak did play, you could argue Washington could have beaten Dallas twice. So Washington's definitely in the mix as being one of the best teams in the NFC East. Looking at that front four, looking at that front seven, one of the best front fours in football, and Terry McLaurin's one of the top receivers in the game. Antonio Gibson's emerging. Their offensive line, they just franchised uh, Brandon Sheriff's. Their offensive line is pretty good. So I think Washington definitely is a contender in the NFC East, and I also think the Giants, I mean, we'll see what they do in free agency. They just uh, franchise Leonard Williams. Uh, we'll see what if they if they somehow win the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes, Saquon Barkley comes back, and he was the player he was his rookie year, there's a very good chance the Giants could win the NFC East because of their defense. So I'm TBD on that for me. I think it's between the Cowboys, Washington, and the Giants because I think the Eagles are a mess right now. But I think it's between, I, I think it's between those three teams. But I can't really – there's no clear-cut winner to me. I got to see what happens in free agency, and I got to see what happens in the draft. But here's the easy question, and I think we both pretty much agree on this. Are the Cowboys Super Bowl contenders this year because of this move? Not you know the answer good. to the question for me. Yeah, and Justin, you, you said it You said it perfectly. Yeah, not even close. They, 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 especially defensively, they, they're just not going to be able to stop a, a Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, you know, or, or a Seattle with if Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson's still there next, you know, which I – we all assume he will be. So, yeah, yeah, it's not even close. They, they they still have a lot to do. Their offense is good enough to keep up with some of the best. But, again, it's tough to win when your defense gives up 30 points a game in, in the NFL. It's tough to get anywhere. And the thing is, it's not like this is Patrick Mahomes. It's not like this is Aaron Rodgers. It's not like this is uh, Russell Wilson. It's, this is not. It's not like this is Tom Brady. This is not. Or, this is not. An, or even Deshaun Watson. This is not an elite quarterback. This is a good quarterback. A very good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. Uh, that, that's just the reality of the situation. If you look at his record against good teams, he's not. He's not an elite quarterback. But I think the problem, though, is why his record isn't as good against good teams is Dallas doesn't have the roster of a Tampa Bay. Dallas doesn't have the roster of a New Orleans. Dallas doesn't have the roster of a Baltimore. Dallas doesn't have the roster of a Kansas City. Dallas is not one of the top organizations in the NFL. They're a, you know, a, they're a, they're an above an above average organization in this league. They're not. I mean, people want to say they're a terrible organization. That's not true. I mean, Jerry Jones isn't a terrible GM. He's an average to above average general manager, and that's what the Cowboys are in this league—an above average organization. They had Tony Romo for all those years, who was like franchise quarterback, and they never were able to get to an NFC Championship game. That's not on Tony Romo. That's on the front office. If the Cowboys don't get to an NFC Championship game, it's gonna be on, it's gonna be on the front office. Yeah, you know it, it will be. You know it's it, yeah. You know again they you know when they had Romo once or twice there or one seed they they've had their you know they had their opportunity but yeah it just wasn't a good enough roster all around and it's kind of the same thing with this team as well. They have all the weapons. They have four of the you know top um you know their top four wide receivers. Are, you know, some of the best in, in the league, you know, put all four of those together. 
Ezekiel Elliott's a really good running back, but yeah, it's the offensive line to defense, you know, it to, you know, and I know it's not a defensive league anymore. And again, it's to, you know, the saying of, you know, defense win championship really doesn't apply much anymore, but you know, you still got to slow somebody down and yeah, they, they, you know, to, they definitely need to revamp that defense, especially in the secondary to be, you know, and again, that still won't put them at a level of the KC or Baltimore. They have a lot more to do, but it would be a start. Absolutely, absolutely. And this goes back to my point is they're going to have to draft really well. If you look at uh, Dak's cap number, cap numbers in the next four years, uh, in 2021 this year, he'll make $9 million in base salary. $22 million will be his cap case. So this is his least – this is uh, this is the least amount, definitely by far, uh, his, his lowest cap that he's going to have during this contract. But unfortunately for the Cowboys, they don't have much cap space due to the pandemic, and they're paying a bunch of – they're overpaying a bunch of other guys on their roster. You look at 2022, $20, $20 million base salary, $33 million cap hit. 2023, it gets even worse. $31 million base, base salary, $44 million cap hit. And then the last year – $29 million base salary, $47 million cap hit. So this contract is really backloaded. And, and, and they're gonna have to real they're gonna have to either cut some cut some guys off this roster, even this year, you know, maybe even a Demarcus Lawrence, a Jalen Smith, uh, maybe even trade Ezekiel Elliott. You'll see what they might have to do one of those things this year to get some cap space to try to get some players on this defense. But obviously, but, but at the end of the day, the biggest key is gonna be is they're going to have to draft really, really, really well, or this is not going to work. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, I think the backload, I think it's Jerry kind of notioning of what this TV contract is going to look like, this new TV deal that the NFL is going to get coming up. But, um, yeah, you know, they, they got to be able to draft. Well, they, they've been decent at the last few, few years. You know, some of their top round picks have been you know pretty they're, good. They're very good in the first and second round. Where they don't do well at all is third, fourth, fifth. And sixth round, they just don't they they don't do well at all. They don't get steals in those rounds. But you get teams like the Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. You get you know you get teams like uh, let me think. You get Kansas City. You get teams like Baltimore. You get teams like you know New Orleans, Tampa. They get steals in those rounds. The Cowboys just don't get steals in those rounds. No, and those are why those teams have been consistent and usually are in the playoffs because they're able to find those steals. And it, you know building around drafts important. Yeah, they haven't been great at doing that. So. Yeah, it definitely has to be a good draft form. And, yeah, that, it's definitely got to be defensive heavy. It may not be a bad idea to go get an offensive lineman or two. But, yeah, it's the defense. If they can find, you know, three, four good defensive uh, draft picks, you know, who knows with this with this Dallas team. You know, especially in the NFC East, it's really up in the air. And a lot of, you know, you don't really know a lot of direction of the Eagles. You know, yeah, we'll see the Giants Washington does. But it, it's a pretty much wide open division still. So. Yeah, there, there, there's no, there's no, there's no Tamp in this division. There's no Green Bay in this division. There's no Rams in this division. There's no Russell Wilson with the Seahawks in this division. All these teams are in the middle of the pack. In the middle, are in the middle of the pack, or at the bottom of the pack of the NFC. There's, there's no great team in the NFC East. This is a very, very winnable division. So, I mean, to say the Cowboys are a playoff team, they very easily can make the playoffs. The question is, can they do anything once they get to the playoffs? Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't think, I don't think so right now. And again, yeah, if they add a couple of guys, especially drafting wise. Then yeah, maybe they can. They maybe they can. You know, they they again they win the division. They get a home game on Maxley. So who knows? Maybe they could steal a first round game or, or a wild card or yeah wild card round. But yeah, other than that, I, yeah, I don't see them getting too far. It's they they definitely have to build this roster up a little bit more because yeah, it's good enough to win the the NFC East, but it, it's not good enough to win the NFC the whole NFC. And I'll close it with this: if the Cowboys don't get to an NFC Championship game. In the next four years, 
Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones need to step down. That's just that's just that's just obvious. They they cannot be if they screw just like with Romo. If they don't get there, they don't get to a conference championship game. They need to step down because it will not be because of Dak Prescott. It will be because it will be because of bad draft picks and bad moves they made before they re-signed Dak. That will be the reason why they don't get to where they need to get to with Dak Prescott. Yeah, you know, it's 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 possible. You know, look, we've seen we've seen Dak play well again. You know, it definitely could be on the Joneses again, maybe a little bit on Dak. You know, who knows in the next four years? But yeah, yeah, if they if they cannot get the NFC Championship game in the next four years, yeah, you know, look, I don't think the Joneses will ever step down. I, I would be shocked to ever see that happen. But, yeah, you know, I know Cowboys fans have been calling for him to do it for years, and and maybe the boys get loud in the next four years. But, yeah, I don't I don't see them stepping down, but they probably should for the for the good of the other franchise, you know, because, yeah, what, 95 is the last time they've been there. And that shouldn't happen for the Cowboys. No, no, not, not at all. But we're going to stay – we're going to stay in the NFCs. We're going to talk about the Giants a little bit and – Yesterday, they franchised Leonard Williams for the second year in a row. I like the fact we're hanging on to him, but I really hope by July 15th, there is a long-term deal or we will lose him. This will be his last year as a Giant. So they, Dave Gettleman needs to get this done. He needs to get a long-term deal done with Leonard Williams. And he was the best player on the team last year. 11, 11 and a half sacks. He was great against the run. He was a top five defensive tackle last year. He was an all-pro. Should have been a pro bowler. It was a joke he wasn't a pro bowler. But, I mean, he was, he was an all-pro last year. I mean, he had, a, he, had a great, he had a great year for this team. I mean, they don't beat Seattle without him. That sack he had on second and 10 on, on the last drive of the game, uh, him sacking Russell Wilson on the last drive of the game, that was the play that won that game. And then that sack he had on Andy Dalton uh, when, the, when the Cowboys were in the red zone uh, in, in the season finale. The Giants don't win those two games if it's not for Leonard Williams. He clearly was the Giant of the year. He clearly was the best player on this team. And he's clearly a player the Giants need to give a four- to five-year deal to with uh, for over $100 million. He deserves it. The Giants need to pay Leonard Williams or Dave Gettleman should be fired. Yeah, that's a, yeah, he, he definitely should. Uh, you know, it sounds like they're working on it. So hopefully, you know, for Giant fans, you would, you would hope. Yeah, he, he had his best season as Giant. I don't know, it's been a year and a half, but he had best season of his career so far with 11 and a half sacks. Uh, he, career, 57 tackles. he was great for the Giants. You know, he was really the anchor of that defensive line. Um, yeah, he was a big part of why they beat Seattle, why they beat Dallas in Week 17, and kept their playoff hopes alive. So yeah, the, the Giants really need to keep this guy. Their defense was great last year, you know, um, and was a big part of, you know, why they were in the running in the hunt to for that NFC title in Week 17. So yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so yeah, it, the Giants do need to find a way to keep him because, you know, he he was great and what a seal they got there for from the New York Jets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was a top he was a top ten pick. He was underperforming for the Jets. First year with the Giants, he showed flashes of being a real a great player. And then last year, he showed why he is a great player in this league right now. And yes, he only, and I know the haters are gonna say he only showed one year of being an elite defensive tackle, but I think his career is his career is on the up. He's only twenty six years old. I think he's he's gonna be he's he's got like four or five prime years left in him. That's why the Giants need to be, make, make this guy the cornerstone of this defense because James Bradbury and Blake Martinez don't have the seasons they had, especially James Bradbury without Leonard Williams. The pressure that Leonard Williams uh, puts on quarterbacks, the way he stops the run, he is clearly the best player on this defense, and you could argue he is the most important player. And Saquon Barkley might be the best player on this team, but I think Leonard Williams is the most important player on this team. Yeah, no, he definitely could be the most important player because, yeah, the way he gets to the quarterback, you said it. And if he's able to get to the quarterback 
and being able to make that quarterback make a bad decision. Yeah, it pays off for James Bradbury, you know, Blake outside of Blake Martinez as well. So yeah, yeah, he definitely could be on that defense and the team that starting to kind of you guys are starting to get past that rebuild step and now it's trying to get back to you know being a playoff team and wanting to be contending in the NFCs and or in, in the whole NFC. And yeah, you did you know they do need to keep Leonard Williams around to be able to take that next step. This team needs to compete for a playoff spot or they might have to clean house completely. Jones and Gettleman are definitely gone if they're not going to If they're 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 again, Jones and Gettleman are gone. That's that, that's obvious. And Joe Judge could be – as much as I like Joe Judge, he could be out with them if they have a bad season. This team needs to be competing for a playoff spot. And, let, yeah, last year they were competing for a playoff spot technically, but the reason they were competing for that playoff spot is this, that was one of the worst divisions in the history of the NFL. That's the only reason they were competing for a playoff spot last year. I don't want these Giants fans to say, oh, well, you know, we were we were one game out of the playoffs. You were 6-10. and 6-10 and 10 is 6-10 and 10 in this league. This team needs to prove that they could be a 9-10 win team and, and be a team that could win the division or sneak in with a wild card. They need to be in playoff contention or or get to the playoffs next year. This this thing this thing needs to needs to show progress next year. I don't want to hear about being close in games. I don't want to hear about that anymore. That's over with. Results have to happen this year. They did in the second half of the year. They need to continue going into next season. Or Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones need to be gone. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, it's it's going to be year three for those guys. You know, for 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 Daniel Jones, and yeah, especially yeah, we talk about it, especially in this division. It's such a winnable division that yeah, it's it's there's no excuses to go five and eleven, unless you know you lose fifteen starters. But you know that's through the only. But yeah, they got to be able to take the next step this year. They got to be able to compete. Or yeah, I definitely could see Gettleman gone and uh, Daniel Jones. You think Barkley would go too? I don't. Yeah. You know, We'll see. I mean, we'll see what they. It, you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be the question in this offseason is, are they going to pay Saquon Barkley? That's going to be the big question. Are they going to give him an extension? Now, it's risky because he's shown he's very injury prone. He's missed a, He's missed uh, most, almost all the season last year, and he was banged up the year before. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with Saquon Barkley. I mean, honestly, I'm on the fence with paying him right now. To be honest, I, I, I'm on the fence, but. If he has a big year this year, you're obviously going to pay him. Yeah, it's it's tougher running back coming off a knee injury. He's already shown that he's had a couple of injuries in the past, so it's always risky paying a running back now nowadays. It's just you know the life, unfortunately for running backs, is shorter nowadays. So yeah, he has a big year. Definitely, Giants should be able to keep him. But yeah, there's there's um no excuse for the Giants to shoot go five eleven in this division. They got to be able to compete for a playoff spot. It, you know, I would hope they keep Joe because I, I am a fan too. But yeah, you know, you bring in a new G, you bring in a new GM. They want to bring his own guy, so I understand. But yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, I, I don't see any reason why the Giants should not be competing for the NFC East next year. Oh no, no, no way, no way. And then, then we look at and we talk about Daniel Jones a little bit, maybe to help him out. I think getting a receiver is big. That's why I'm for letting Dalvin Tomlinson walk. He's a good player, good against the run, but he's expendable. I'm for letting him walk. Let some other team overpay him. I'm for getting a, a receiver in here. I think that's that's a big that's a that's gonna be a big deal in free agency. Either get Shaq Barrett or get me a receiver. Kenny Galladay and Shaq Barrett would be the dream scenario in terms of free agents there. But you have to be realistic. If you don't get them, you got to think of maybe a Curtis Samuel, who Dave Gettleman. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if he drafted him in Carolina, but. I'm not. I'm, I don't think. I don't think he drafted him in Carolina. I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, you, you still you have Curtis Samuel out there. You have Will Fuller out there. Yes, he's not defendable. And you have Corey Davis. So try to upgrade this receiving core because you did cut Golden Tate or 
go after Shaq Barrett. My dream, though, would be Kenny Galladay or Shaq Barrett. But realistically, you got to think maybe, you know, Will Fuller, uh, Curtis Samuel, or uh, or Corey Davis, or Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, yeah, I definitely upgrade. Um, and Curtis Samuel drafted 2016. Oh, so he's a Gettleman guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get, if they get yeah. Curtis Samuel. Yeah, that would be a nice addition for him. You know, Kenny Galladay, if he could stay healthy this year, that would be another nice addition. Um, yeah, if you can get Jones at number one guy form, yeah, you know, who knows what can happen. I know the wide receiver, you know, again, Shirley Shepard's shown signs. You know, Golden Tate was older. So, yeah, if you can get him that guy, it definitely really helps him out. You had a Shaq Barrett, another guy with that defense of how good it was last year. You just make that Giants defense even better. Which, again, puts less pressure on Daniel Jones. He doesn't have to go out there and put 25, 30 points up a game. Um, so it would help him out. But, yeah, if they could add another uh, – like a uh, like a Barrett or another – or a number one receiver to give Daniel Jones, it would – it would I think it would definitely help him improve. And, again, hopefully – it sounds like, too, they could be shopping for a tight end. No surprise either. Yeah, because of Evan Ingram. They could trade Evan Ingram. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the Giants do. It'll be interesting to see what the Giants do next week in free agency. They don't have much cap space, so they're probably going to have to cut Kevin Zeitler. But we'll see what they end up doing in free agency. But speaking of Shaq Barrett, we just talked about him. We're going to talk about his team, the defending champion, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they chose not to franchise him. They chose to franchise Chris Godwin and gave uh, Levante David a two-year, $25 million deal. I actually personally would have us franchise Shaq Barrett because I think we like Shaq Barrett is the guy that makes that defense go. Because without Shaq Barrett, that, that Super Bowl is a different game. I mean, if you don't have – if you have another – I mean, because Jason Pierre-Paul is not a great pass rusher. I don't think Barrett's elite, but I think he's really good. Having the two of them together are, is a really, really good combination. And I, I would have franchised Barrett. I think I think the thing with the Bucks with receiver-wise, you can get Antonio Brown now on the cheap. And you could – and look at Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller and Tom Brady had a really good rapport. So I, I, I wouldn't I, – I think Chris Godwin is a – top receiver in the league, but I think he's expendable on a team that has a ton of receivers. I think the key to that Buccaneers, the, the biggest reason why the Buccaneers beat the Saints, the Packers was because of how great their front seven is. It will not be as good if they don't re-sign Shaq Barrett. I still think they're clearly one of the, I still think they're clearly the favorite if Shaq Barrett goes, but they're not as much of the favorite if they don't sign Shaq Barrett. Yeah. It's going to take a hit to that defense. Um, you know, especially, yeah, because, again, their secondary got better last year, but I think a big part of it was they were able to get to the quarterback and, you know, and, again, that helped out the secondary that they were able to get the quarterback. Yeah, so you lose a Shaq Barrett. Um, it, it would definitely hurt that defense. Yeah, with all the wide receivers, it was um, – I thought I saw somewhere it, that franchise tagging Chris Godwin saved – Instead of Barrett saved the Bucks like four million dollars something. Yeah, because the, like, the, the the price is higher for for for, for Barrett. Yeah. That may be the reason they did it. Yeah, because I you know I, I I don't really know what their cap situation situation is right now. Um, and I think Brady ever took another pay cut, which is amazing. Right? That just shows that. you how much of a team player he is to do that, and that's why yeah. he's on his way to an eighth Super Bowl ring, just just taking another pay cut to win another ring. It's amazing. I know the guy. That guy, I figured he'd go to Tampa and he would want all the money now, but he's still donating it, giving it back to, to the team, which is, again, shows you why he's won seven of them. But anyways, um, so, yeah, it was a little surprising with all the weapons they have. They don't really – obviously, it's great to have Chris Godwin, but, yeah, it's not really like they, they need him. Like, they have so many guys, other guys that could kind of fill his void. But it was interesting, but, um, you know – they kept them. I would hope they be, they were able to resign Barrett. You know, 
Um, because yeah, he, he's such an important part of that defense. I do think he and I do think he's a more important player than Chris Godwin, even though Chris Godwin is, is still a really good wide receiver. Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, but yeah, you got your front seven was the biggest. I mean, yeah, Brady was was great too, but your front seven was the biggest reason why you won that Super Bowl. Biggest reason why you dominated the game against the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Biggest reason why you got by the Saints and got by the Packers. So that front seven is really good, and I would try if I'm Tampa Bay, I try to keep that intact. Yeah, you might lose the Dominican Sue, but he's expendable. I mean, you got two great linebackers. You can't keep everyone, but. You know, out of all their free agents, they have uh, Sue, uh, Barrett, A.B., Gronk, Fournette. Barrett should be priority number one by far. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we talked about it. With that defense, the way they can put pressure on, on the quarterback, you know, the, look, the the the, the um, playoffs where they have to go through, you know, again, having to play Drew Brees, having to play Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and keeping them all under 350 yards, it, you know, they were able to get out to the quarterback – it helped that secondary out. That defense played unbelievable um, after, like, that, you know, the wild card weekend against Washington. They were, you know, defense still played well, but, again, it got even better those final three games of the year. And it was a huge part, the way they can get to the quarterback. And it's definitely a huge reason why, and you saw it in the Super Bowl, well, yeah, why they won, they, they did win the Super Bowl for that pass rush. Absolutely, absolutely. So going from Tom Brady's new team to his old team, your Patriots yesterday made some news, you know, going out and trading for their former left tackle, who was their left tackle when they won the Super Bowl, and Trent Brown. I think this adds depth with, you know, they had a rookie who played the sixth-round pick, the rookie who played really well at right tackle last year. You got Isaiah Wynn. I think this adds depth to your offensive line with this move. But I think one of the bigger issues with getting Trent Brown is is you're franchising Joe Tooney. I feel like you got to keep you got to keep Joe Tooney. I think that's the one guy on that offensive line you got to keep. They franchised him last year. You know the Pats. They don't want to overpay for players. But you know the biggest strength of that offense was the offensive line. Without the offensive line, I mean, how many games would that team won without the O line? That's probably a you know four four win team without the offensive line. You're laughing at me because you know how yeah. I sometimes criticize the offensive line. But that's a, maybe a four to five win team without the offensive line. I mean, without the Ravens, without the offensive line. There's no way they beat the Ravens last year. Without the O line, there's probably no way they beat they beat they beat they beat the card they beat the Cardinals last year. So, the, the offensive line for the Patriots was one of the top top you know te- top five top five offensive lines in the league. And I think Joe Tooney had a really good year. And I'm concerned now that the Patriots aren't going to sign Joe Tooney. I like Trent Brown, but Trent Brown since he left the Pats in 2018, he's missed 21 games in the last two years. Yeah, it, you know I want Joe Tooney back. It doesn't sound like it is happening. I think he's allowed like three sacks since he's been in the league. Like he he's been great. Again, it sounds like they're gonna um sign David Andrews over him, which David Andrews is a solid um offensive lineman as well. But I, I I'm with I'd rather have Joe Tooney. I think the I'm big thing a, is I think the big thing is they want to go after Kenny Galladay. I think they're gonna go all out to go after Kenny Galladay, in my opinion. That's what I'm hoping. Now I again I don't know if this is a situation where Galladay doesn't want to be with Matt Patricia again. I don't I Hope not, because yeah, we we need a no, oh we need god a that costed you Matthew Stafford. Now that could cost you Kenny Galladay. Yeah, this it, Patricia it, it, hire, that's you know, the, the Pats will be regretting that if you don't get Galladay. No, yes, we will. Yes, um, yeah, we we need a wide receiver, and you know, obviously we need a quarterback. But yeah, you know, it, it was an interesting move. I didn't, you know, bring him back Trent Brown. I know it's more of a depth thing. I don't know. Did you know Joe Gruden actually called Trent Brown when they signed him? To Jay Gr- John Gruden, you mean? Yeah, John Gruden. You know what they, you know, he said uh, he's going to turn Trent Brown into? Who? 
little LeBron James of uh, ta- of uh, tackles. Oh my God! Please, please. I he sure that. did that. He sure did that. Yeah. Unreal. Oh, you got to yeah. be kidding me. He was going to make him the highest paid you know, tackle. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I you know Trent Brown. I still remember that Steeler game. We had like five all false starts in one game. Uh, that was the game I was like done with him. Yeah, you've but, seen a lot of Trent Brown over the years with the Patriots and the Raiders. Yeah, I have. I, I'm not too excited to have him back, but again, it's a death piece. So I guess, you know, when always kind of being banged up, I, I guess it just helps with death. It's one year, $11 million. They reworked it. So not the, you know, worst thing in the world, but, you know, I still rather much rather have Joe Tooney. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Tooney and Mason, you could argue, are two of the top guards in the league. And that's a great combo to have, especially in the run game. That's what big reason why your run game was pretty good. That was really the, that was the only, pretty much the biggest reason why that was all you could do on offense last year was run the ball because those guards were outstanding. For uh, Mason and Tooney were outstanding. So, yeah, I mean, the Patriots, what they need to do is they desperately need – they're pretty much – there's two humongous holes on this team. There's that need to be that need to be filled this offseason. They got a bunch of cap space to do space to do it. Wide receiver, and number, they got to get a number one receiver, and they need to get the quarterback thing. They need to get this quarterback thing right. Either in the draft, I don't know if they're going to be, they won't be able to in free agency, but in the draft, they got to get this quarter, they got to get the quarterback position right because eventually they keep having these six and ten, seven and nine seasons while Brady's winning Super Bowls in Tampa. Bill, they're going to tell Bill Belichick first. They'll tell him. Stop with the personnel stuff. Stop with that. Get, get give that up, and then eventually they're probably gonna. Sh- if this goes on for three to four years, they're gonna show them the door. Yeah. I again, I, I could maybe see the mutual thing, you know, with them. And it, no, if it, if it happens, it would be like a mutual. It would be like a yeah, mutual okay. parting of ways. It won't be yeah. the. They'll never say they fired them, but it would be a mutual parting of ways if it ever happened. Yeah, I, I could see the mutual. I don't know if Kraft would ever. Can him, but yeah, you know, he he does. He's got to get this quarterback right now because look, you know, especially if Tom Brady goes on a run and wins another one. It again, the, the noises are going to get louder for him. Of hey, we you know, we we got to get back to this again. I, I do think that he he's going to be out this year proving a lot of people wrong, and I, I think he's heard all the you know, Brady did all this for you know, that Brady carried you and all that. So I, I do think we're going to figure it all out, but. Yeah, yeah. We again, I said a couple of times we can't keep relying on Julian Edelman to be our number one. Again, you know, I know he's contemplating about coming back or not. And yeah, we need the quarterback. Cam's not the guy. Jared Sinem does not seem like they have the trust in him right now. So yeah, whoever that quarterback is, again, I still have a hard time believing Bill Belichick's going to draft a quarterback in the first round, even though I think he should, because I don't know. After that, if there's a there's not a guy out there that's going to be able to start for this team day one. So, yeah, it'll be interesting what we do to figure out that quarterback situation. I have heard that they are looking at every quarter. You know, they are digging deep in all the quarterback prospects. So, sounds like you know. Again, I think he knows that we need you know they you know Patriots need a number one quarterback. Yeah, this is the biggest offseason for the Patriots. This will probably dictate the next, you know, how things are going to go for the next two to three years. This offseason is huge for the Patriots. I mean, they can't walk out of here without, you know, getting getting a receiver. I don't think you can walk out of free agency or the draft without getting an, get trying to get a number one receiver. And obviously they can't walk out of free agency or the draft, especially the draft, not having not having a quarterback. So this is a humongous offseason for the Pats. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, it's going to kind of show the direction that this franchise is in. If we're going to be back to kind of in the AFC East picture here or if we're going to kind of be a glass year, 
again, we're going to be mediocre and go eight and eight or seven and nine once again, which, yeah, will not make the Patriot fans happy, but it, it totally is. You know, again, this is not a year where you can go, go out and go get like a mid round, you know, like a second or third receiver, you know, like this is a year. Yeah. He needs to get a number one. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, I don't know if it's going to be enough to go out and go get us, you know, a guy that's not a top wide receiver for the, for this um, offense. It's not gonna yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Patriots. And, you know, your division rivals made a move on the offensive line. We're talking about O-line, so we'll we'll talk about that. Isaiah Wilson, obviously, gets uh, traded for uh, – uh, the Dolphins trade for Isaiah Wilson. I don't know how that's going to really work out. I mean, their offensive line struggled last year. He was a first-round pick. You saw him. You and Jace probably saw more of him in Alabama. So we'll see what happens there. Georgia. Yeah, oh, Georgia. My bad. My bad. Yeah, Georgia, that was my bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you guys saw him play at Georgia. And uh, we'll see how that ends up working out there. I mean – they only got a seventh round pick for me. Wanted to leave Tennessee. So we'll see what ends up working out there. Uh, Brendan Sheriff, obviously he gets the franchise tag as well. So I think Washington's building their offensive line and Miami is trying to build their offensive line as well. Uh, Sheriff, you know, for sure. I think they're going to come up with a long-term deal for, I think Washington has a lot of cap space. So I think they're going to come up with a long-term deal for him. And uh, I think that, uh, I think that Isaiah Wilson could really, really, you know, could improve the Dolphins offensive line. Yeah. Um, Wilson, I heard, so I, the Dolphins off of the line averages about like 320 pounds and Isaiah Wilson comes in at 350. So I think he's just kind of bulking it up at that guy. Again, hopefully a new change of scenery kind of um, helps them be able to, you know, again, he was a first round pick and didn't really work out for Tennessee. So it's kind of a no lose situation for the Dolphins, just adding them for depth and hopefully they can find something in them. Uh, Brandon Sheriff's is, yeah, you know, for Washington, they got to be able to keep somebody and pay one of their, you know, top guys, you know, something they really haven't done too much. They got to be able to keep a guy in there. They got to, you know, um, again, with that defense that they have, the young defense they have, if they can kind of build this offense, they can keep Brian Sheriffs um, on the old line, you know, it could, it could really help the team out, especially with the, you know, um, Antonio Gibson in the backfield. He looks like he's going to be a solid running back in this league. So, yeah, it's a good move for Washington. Hopefully they can find a long-term deal for him because, not too many guys in the last few years have wanted to stay in Washington. They've kind of wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. Yeah, it looks like the culture is changing in Washington. They just need to get that quarterback, and we'll, that's why this offseason is going to determine that, and we'll see what ends up happening. But we'll talk about some of this. We'll, we'll stay kind of in the local, in the AFC East, talk about some, you know, talk about Marcus May staying with the Jets. I like this move. I think that, uh, you know, he was one of their better players on defense last year, and I think that, you know, we build this team. They're going to keep some of their own guys. I don't mind this move than franchising Mar Marcus May. No, I don't either. You know, um, again, it, right now it looks like the Jets may be able to win that that trade with Seattle, Jamal Adams at the moment. Um, you know, he had – Marcus May really had a solid year. You know, for the Jets, they got to keep be able to keep somebody. They don't ever pay their big-time, you know, players, it seems like, to keep them around. Um, again, he was a huge part of this defense. Again, hopefully, you know, C.J. Mosley comes back this year. I know it's been two years, but – him and him and May, um, with Quinn Williams, yeah, Quinn Williams helped us out this young defense, and it's you know again we'll see what Joe Douglas does, but I think it's a guy that he's got to be able to keep around and show that he's gonna be able to keep some of these young guys when they're ready, when their contracts are ready, you know, to be extended that he's gonna pay for them or he's gonna pay and not let them walk in free agency or trade them away. So I, I think it's a big. Um, Big thing here for Joe Douglas and the Jets to be able to 
re-sign Marcus Mack? Uh, staying with a couple, talking about a couple of the other safeties that were free agents. Uh, Justin Simmons gets franchised again by the Broncos. I'm pretty confident they're going to come with a long deal for him. They don't have to pay a quarterback right now, so I'm pretty confident they're going to come up with a long deal, a long term deal for him. And you got Marcus, and you got uh, Marcus Williams. You all remember him for that play against Stephon Diggs in the in the divisional round uh, when he was a rookie. He got franchised by the Saints. A little bit of a surprise because the Saints are in kind of in cap jail, but they just released Emmanuel Sanders, so it makes a little bit of sense there. Yeah, you know, Justin Simmons. Um... He's all pro this year. He had a really solid year. But again, this defense has been really good the last few years. So definitely important guy that they want to keep around. It's going to be interesting to see what you know what he does with the safety market. We know it's on a premium position. So, you know, there seems like a lot of safeties coming up to be, you know, long-term deal. So, you know, Simon's gonna be able to set the market here for him. But yeah, you know, Denver, I I'd be shocked if they don't, if they're not able to keep him. And yeah, Marcus Williams was surprised. I did see the Mano Sanders cut right before we went on air, but um, yeah, because the Saints I think are like, like sixty miles. Um, oh, they're way over the cap, cap right now. They're way over the yes. cap. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting what they do because I think they have to get to be able to sign them. I don't they have to be under the cap by like um, by like next Wednesday? I think I saw something like that. I believe. Yeah, gotta be under the cap by Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it you know. Going to be interesting few next week here for the Saints to see how they get under the cap to be able, you know, be cap to actually sign them. But um, so it was a questionable, it was a weird sign to see him do it. But again, they must have a, you know, they they must already have a uh, an idea of how to be, you know, to get under the cap space by next Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. And I can't believe we didn't talk about this yet. This is my bad. Uh, Allen Robinson franchised by the Bears. And does this mean one thing that they franchise him? That they franchise him? Are the Bears all in on Russell Wilson? I think cap wise, it doesn't make sense. But with Brian Pace and Matt Nagy are desperate, and they already franchised Allen Robinson. You don't know if Allen Robinson wants to be there or not. But if they could somehow, I don't know how they're going to do it because they're in, they're they're over the cap too. They somehow could land Russell Wilson. I think I think that's going to make Allen Robinson really happy. Even if they have to give up a couple pieces on that defense, I think that's going to make Allen Robinson really really happy if that could happen. But as we know, Seattle has no intentions on trading Russell Wilson at this point. Yeah, um, you know, so I, you're franchising Allen Robinson. Yeah, he's really the only big, you know, the only uh, weapon this offense really has. You know, Dave Montgomery has shown signs. Um, you know, we saw Moody in the NFC playoffs, you know, with that big drop. So, you know, he's not ready to, you know, he's probably not going to be a big-time player in this league right now. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it's interesting – with Russell Wilson, like, again, yeah, I don't think they're going to beat Seattle's going to trade him, but, you know, um, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, again, like, they could throw, you know, kind of, they can trade, you know, two, three first round because the future doesn't matter for them. It doesn't work out anyways. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, if they say they go, like, seven and nine, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so, again, they don't care about those picks if, you know, they're not here. So, I, I could see in a big desperate move of, trying to keep their job and then not working out. All right. You know, again, it's not our draft picks or, you know, key defensive guys or whatever we're losing. So yeah, it's important for the bears to keep him. He's really the only, you know, sign of life this offense has at times. Absolutely. 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 And we'll go to some of the big time free agents that we, that we haven't talked that much about. Obviously you got Kenny Galladay and Trent Williams. Those will probably be the, those will be the, I, don't, I wouldn't say Trent Williams because of his age, but I think Kenny Galladay, Aaron Jones and uh, Shaq Barrett will be the top three. And I, I put Williams fourth because of his age, but those are going to be the top four free agents uh, 
uh, starting uh, starting next week. We'll be seeing on Monday. Those guys will probably all be signed by Monday because that's when legal tampering begins. But I think Kenny God is get, is going to get twenty million a year. I think Shaq Barrett, no matter, no matter if the Bucks resign him or someone else resigns, is getting twenty million a year. And I could see Aaron Jones is going to get that much money, but I could definitely see a team resigning Aaron Jones because the Packers didn't franchise him. Yeah, um, definitely those three guys or those guys. I could see Galladay getting twenty twenty five million. Definitely not. Obviously not the lines. It'll be interesting who signs them. Is it going to be the Giants? Is it going to be the Pats? You know, I know Vegas. The Ravens are going to be. The Ravens will be all the in Ravens on the Colts. Are, the Ravens, the Colts are going to be all in on. Teams are going to be all in on Kenny Galladay because uh, you look at Allen Robinson now franchise, Chris Godwin franchise. He's clearly in the, and really there's a big gap between him and Juju Smith-Schuster or Will Fuller. He's clearly the best receiver on the market. He is going to get a ton, a ton of offers, Alan, uh, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, you know, he, he, yeah, he, he definitely will be. He, being the top wide receiver on the board, yeah, there's a drop-off from Juju just, you know, because he doesn't have that protection anymore with AB. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's going to get a lot of money for whoever signs him. Sounds like every playoff team's going after him, really. Um, but, yeah, you know, we'll see where he goes. Barrett, definitely I can see, like, $25 million Just because, you know, we saw what he did in the playoffs. We saw what he did in Super Bowl. He's a game-changer yeah. for any defense. I think a little bit, yeah, because Bose is at twenty-seven million as a pass rusher. I can see a, a little bit less than Bose, but yeah, I mean, he's a game. He was a game changer in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I can see over twenty million there. Yeah, so yeah, he's a huge piece for being a linebacker too. So you know, um, premium position right there. Uh, and then Air Jordan, yeah, interesting one with running backs. You just you never know what a running, you know, what these running backs are going to get. Um, does it mean for the Packers, AJ Dillon, kind of the guy now? Maybe the Packers do sign him, but. Yeah, Jones is interesting. I could, you know, right, like 10, 11 million, something around there. It, it's a running back. You just, you know, we've talked about it. You just, you know, decide your life, you know, you just not, never know how long the shelf life of, of a running back is anymore. It's, it's tough for them to get a really big, big deal. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's going to be fun. We'll be talking about free agency next week. It's going to be really, really fun to see because there's going to be more player movement than ever just due to the pandemic and due to this cap dropping uh, do the cap dropping? Uh, yeah, do the cap dropping eight percent from 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 a last year? The salary cap right now at one hundred. What did you say, Justin? Oh, okay. yeah, I think I saw it. It's like one hundred eighty-two million, something like that. It's going yeah. down to one hundred two eighty-two million. Lowest it's been since uh, two thousand eighteen. The first time the cap has dropped since two thousand eleven. So it's going to be really exciting to see all this player movement, and we'll be talking definitely talking about it next week. But. We got conference tournaments starting, and we got to talk about that. Before that, we got a promo from Keys to the City. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the City. Keys to the City, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Kobe, roll float to Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, hold on. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Thank you, Ted, Trevor, and Ted. Keys to the City should be on this Friday. Uh, they'll be talking about a ton of the stuff that's been happening. They'll be definitely – they just – they talked about Dak on Monday. They 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 had, they had a little they had a little show on Monday night talking about Dak. They'll be talking about Leonard Williams and the rest of the NFL free agents. So make sure you check out Keys to the City on Friday. They Trevor and Ted do a great job. Make sure you check them out Friday. But we got to get to the conference tournaments in college basketball, and obviously, there's it's obviously where we're going to start. We're going to start in the Big East, and uh, you look at uh, you look at UConn and their chances in the Big East. I think they're really really good. I think you feel 
better about UConn's chances in the Big East than you ever do. Seeing what's going on at Creighton, seeing what's going on at uh, at Villanova. I think I really like UConn's chances in this tournament. I think they're playing great. I think Boak Knight showed against Georgetown that he can hit threes. RJ Coles played well. Sanago played really well against Seton Hall. You got, you know, you got Isaiah Whaley. You got Polly come off the bench. I am really confident with this team in the Big East tournament. Now I'll give my prediction in a couple minutes for what I, for how I think they're going to be in the Big East tournament, but I think it's set up pretty good. I mean, they got, you know, they'll probably play Providence in the first round, the rubber match. Can't take it for granted. You got two, you know, all Big East guys, second team with Nate Watson and David Duke, and then Creighton probably on Friday night. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but I'm really, really liking UConn's chances in the Big East tournament. Yeah, you know, I, I am too. And, you know, again, it's kind of set up, you know, with the unfortunate circumstances that's going on at Creighton over right now. Yeah, it, you know, UConn's a favorite right now going into this thing, you know, um, which, again, they haven't been a favorite like this a while. It seems like every expert has UConn win the Big East, which does scare me a bit, but. You know, usually that doesn't. You like being the underdog. It's the last time I think they've been favored this much to win a to win the Big East tournament since 2009 when they played that six overtime game against Syracuse. And they're not great when they're favored to win tournaments. We remember 2006, the McNamara year. We remember 2000, obviously the 2000 2009 with the six overtime game. When UConn's favored to win these Big East tournaments, they're not great when they're favored to win the tournament. They they like being the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they like they like being the they like being the underdog in those tournaments. And we did get a comment. Dark is me. It's no interest. It's about Dak Prescott. I mean, my response. We'll start. We'll talk about that just for a second. Yeah, my response there is is I, I just think he wanted he wanted to get his he wanted to get his money. I mean, Dak wanted to get his money. There's yeah, he, he has interest in winning. He that, that just was market value. Forty million is market value. Yeah, you know, again, you know, it's that's you know all the quarterbacks now. You know, pretty much. I know. You know, really, Breeze really the only taking the big kind of cut here but yeah they all want to you know obviously the quarterbacks the most positioned in football or most important position football you know the owners the gms are going to pay them all the money you know they're going to pay them the, the highest amount and all that so look you know it, it you know again i that doesn't kind of come off as a me, me me guy but again you know it doesn't you know especially you know when he was back in Mississippi State. Um, again, he's gone through a lot in his life. So, again, you know, it's a happy time for him right now. Um, but, you know, it's just nowadays, well, the quarterbacks just they get an absurd a lot of money, you know. Um, and now he's the second highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, 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 exactly. Richard, thank you for the comment. I just disagree. I mean, I think he's a, uh, I think he's, 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 he's a team guy. He just wanted to get a, get a contract that was market value. So, Richard, thank you for commenting. But we got to go back to the Big East and and, and UConn, you know, right now. I, yeah, I, I love their chances right now. I think this is, yeah, as we said, this is the best chance they've had to win a conference in, in, in six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. 14, nobody thought, you know, they didn't win the conference tournament in obviously 2014. But, again, that's kind of the last time where they went into a tournament with some type of, you know, I feel well, they just came off the loss of Louisville. But, yeah, it's, it's been a while, you know, to say, say the least. It's, it's really been a while since they've been a favorite. And it's kind of the first time this team's kind of been a favorite. They've always kind of been the underdog, and they got to kind of embrace being the hunt, the hunted now, um, which is going to be interesting to find out how they do in that role. But, yeah, you know, um, I don't know if you saw, but Jane Boak, so it was a three-way tie for the Big East player of the year. Jermaine, Jermaine Earl, Robinson Earl, Tom yeah. Gillespie, and Marcus Zergowski. So don't yeah. blame them. 
So yeah, because I think again, that's because he missed time. We all know Bogut yeah, is the best player in the conference. It's just because he missed eight games. That's yeah. why he didn't win Big East Player of the Year. He got first yeah. team All Big East. The only reason he didn't win it because he missed eight games. That's why Earl Robinson, Robinson, I mean Robinson, Earl Gillespie, and Zigarowski got the honor because Bogut missed eight games. We all know Bogut is the best player on the floor in any Big East game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you're going to see James Boatnight with a chip now to kind of go out and prove that now that, you know, again, I, you know, he's going to be the best. But, um, yeah, it, so, you know, we're going to, you know, I, I do feel really kind about this team. And, again, probably going to play Providence. So they did a great job in David Duke last time. But, yeah, I'm really liking the, this team's chance that they come out, play well. You know, the, the thing I'll say about Saturday is, you know, something I've been harping on the last few weeks was their half court offense and they didn't run any of that they kept running and they they you know they they did not really get into any half court sets with you know which was great it's obviously we talked about it. they can't score off that most of the time so it was great the way that their offense was playing um you know they, they played really really well on saturday absolutely absolutely so we got two stories in the Big East before we before we get to get to a couple of questions i want to ask you uh we obviously the uh greg mcdermott story I mean, that, I don't know why he's still coaching. He should not be coaching. I'm sorry. You you, call, you you say what you said. You should be gone. Creighton should have fired him. I don't get why he's still coaching. Creighton should have fired this guy. This guy should not be coaching. This is 2021. He should be gone. I don't get why uh, Greg McDermott is still coaching Creighton right now. Look, you know, that, you know, was – to have that word in your diction, you know, in your vocabulary in 2021 is – It's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's inexcusable. You know, uh you know, again, the suspension, I, I think because, you know, I don't know what we heard what Marcus Zaragowski said last week about it, or I think it was Saturday in the post-game press conference. Again, he said, you know, he heard us, on, but, again, he is still kind of a father figure to us. Um, and, and I think that's why they lifted the suspension. I think because I think that came from the team. They, you know, Zaragowski's their leader. I believe that came from the team, and I believe that he's, you know, that – they want him there, but they want to acknowledge, like, hey, you know, again, what he said was absolutely, you know, wrong and ridiculous. Again, in kind of this day and age, you know, you can't be saying that. Um, but again, I think he's going to be going to like a, um, you know, he's going to go get help. Um, and he's going to go like, I forget what it, you know, they're, but um, anyways, so yeah, it was a terrible move for him by him look but again I, I you know i'll say this too most coaches i feel like would have thrown this under the rug and it's something that would have came up eight years later and again i do give him some credit to actually again obviously it's wrong you never should have said it but again to come out in the face say, head on, yeah say you know I if you guys want me to resign that. you can resign but still yeah. even with all that i want the guy out of there i don't think the guy should be coaching you know, again, if he gets help and again, because it sounds like, you know, again, he's, you know, again, it's the first time he's done something wrong. You know, again, it's a lot of people I've, you know, seen that it's all been good things about him until this moment. So, again, you know, he's been a really good coach in this, you know, in Taliban for a while. What he said was unexcusable, but I do believe he should keep his job. If they didn't, you know, if the players won and gone and fired, again, I'd say, okay, then. You know, you probably have to do it. But again, it sounds like the players want him here. They want to finish. They want to finish. So again, that's why he's still here. But again, the suspension I thought came off a little too quickly. But I think it's because of what Derek Gowsey said on Saturday about him kind of, you know, being a father, father figure to the team. 
Yeah, I, I get it a little bit, but I but I agree to disagree. I want I want the guy fired. That's I think that's inexcusable. But we got to get on to another story. That's uh, Colin Gillespie torn MCL out for the uh, Big East tournament. I think this really hurts Villanova's chances. I know Robinson uh, Robinson Earl might be their best player, but I, I think this hurt definitely hurts their chances of going far in the tournament, and it hurts their chances in the Big East. Definitely, you know, Joseph Moore sounds like he's doubtful too. Their other guard, so they're they're down two guards right now. Um, again, they're off on Saturday in Providence. was just, it was just so out of sync. They only had, I think, seven assists. You know, with Gillespie in the lineup, they averaged about 16 assists a game. He led the Big East, and assist to turnover ratio was he, you know, was he had, you know, he had three turnover or three three assists every turnover. So again, he's just he's the kind of he, you know, a J Wright offense. It's that point guard's the general. Um, again, he's in control of everything. Absolutely. So, yeah. Back in the, you know, Ryan Archidiacono, uh, Jalen Brunson. It's for years. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Years it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and it's such a huge loss. And yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I don't know. More may be ready for the NCAA tournament, but again, it sounds like he's doubtful for the Big East tournament. So it, they may get one of them back. But yeah, it, it, it was sad to kind of see that on senior night for him. Again, obviously, he could come back next year. I don't know if that's the case for him, but. Um, obviously he's such a terrific player in the Big East. Again, you know, he's a guy, I, you know, um, yeah, it, it's disappointing. That's the way, you know, his college career ends for him. Um, it, it's definitely a big loss for, for the Wildcats. Yeah, really, really sad. And now previewing this tournament, I think, you know, in this tournament, I think, uh, I think, you know, you got two teams on the bubble with, uh, with Seton Hall and, uh, and Xavier, you got, uh, you got, uh, you got UConn, who's playing really well. St. John's, who's got one of the best players in the league in a in a Julian Champagne. Uh, uh, so I think this is going to be a fun tournament. I think this is going to be a tournament where there's going to be some upsets. I think I think I don't think that that'll get my prediction later. But I don't think you know the I think I think Villanova and Creighton are not locks to go to go really far in this tournament. No, they're not. You know, uh, with everything going on again, seeing Hall's playing for the lives. You know, even St. John's. You know, in that four or five matchup, whoever they get. You know Marquette or Georgetown or Nova. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wide open. Again, I wouldn't be shocked to see a Marquette or Georgetown in in the conference finals at an eight or nine seed. Again, with Xavier playing for the lights, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the championship game. Maybe if they knock off a, U, a UConn, you know, a Creighton. So yeah, again, I think it's gonna be a crazy tournament, and you know who you know who knows what's what's gonna happen. Um, again, seeing how Xavier have not been playing well, but again, it's kind of a clean slate. I, I, you know, tournament times kind of it's a it's a clean slate when you get to the conference tournament. Absolutely, absolutely. So here's a question: uh, What who is the bubble team in the Big East that has to, it needs a couple wins to, to secure their spot in the NCAA tournament? It's easy, you know, again, you could either pick Seton Hall or Xavier, but I think Seton Hall needs a little bit more work. Then Xavier does again. Seton Hall just lost to St. John Saturday night without Posh Alexander, the freshman, the player of the year or the freshman player of the year in the Big East. Again, and then I know they they you know if they knock off St. John's uh, tomorrow afternoon, they beat Nova. It's still you know you beat Nova. I know you got two of your best guards, but you're sitting there in the Big East final. Um, again, it could you could be UConn, it could be Creighton, which could be another nice win for Seton Hall. So I, I think Seton Hall they have a they have a little bit more to do right now. Um, so I think it's Seton Hall, that team that's got to, I think, get, has to get the Biggie Championship game. Who is the team that's not in the bubble who could be a potential bid stealer in this tournament? I got Marquette. I, you know, sitting there at that ninth seed, I think they could knock off Georgetown this afternoon. 
I again, it's we just talked about it. Nova's all banged up. I could see you know Marquette knocking them off. I could see GJ DJ Carson um, having a huge day against Nova and riding you know um, getting them. And then they could either beat Teen Hall or St. John's too. Um, again, they're playing really well, uh, Marquette. I and I think you know, that team could be a very dangerous AC to get get to Saturday night. What? Uh, so my prediction who I think is going to win the Big East tournament. I think it's going to be UConn, and it's just going to surprise you over St. John's because of the play of uh, Julian Julian Champagne. No, no, Champagne. Uh, what's your prediction for the Big East final? Um, I, I actually have UConn and St. John's too. I think Posh Alexander is going to be back. So, I, again, I, I love the way St. John's played against Seton Hall the other night. They get them again tomorrow. I think St. John's right now is a better team than Seton Hall. And, yeah, I, I have UConn being in that up for it, and it's – Again, it's tough to beat anybody in college basketball three times, especially when you're that when you're even. Again, that's you know if they play Creighton on Friday night, I think they I think they could get them this time with a healthy Boke night. So, yeah, I got UConn beating St. John's in the finals. We go to the uh, Big Ten tournament, and my thoughts is I think this is obviously one of the top tournaments in college basketball. But in my opinion, I think that Michigan. I, I don't think we. I I don't think we see Michigan in the semifinals. I think Michigan State, a desperate team upsets them again. So I don't think we see – I won't give my my total prediction, but I don't think we see Michigan in, in, in the final. But, you know, I think with Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, I think all those teams, uh, you know, get, get to the semifinals. So it'll be interesting to see who wins this tournament. What's kind of your th- opening thoughts of the, big, of the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a very interesting one. Um, yeah, Michigan's not playing great right now. Again, it, it, you know, Ohio State's in there at that five seed right now, at 12-8, and eight, losing four straight. I'm very interested to see what they do. Um, yeah, Michigan State, Maryland, two teams right now. Maryland's kind of going the wrong direction. Michigan State is kind of playing for the lives right now. Um, this is definitely going to be a fun one. I was banged up. Joe Westkamp, uh, I think, sounds like he's still questionable to play in the Big Ten tournament. It would be nice to have him back. But, yeah, it's kind of a tournament where I, I think, you know, four. Uh, I could see three or four five different teams come on top. Michigan and Michigan State um, have, I think, you know, since 2015, they or 13 actually, um, it's either been Michigan State or Michigan, except one other time, which was um, Ohio State back 2016, I believe, it was the last time Michigan Michigan State did not um, win the Big Ten Conference tournament. Who is your team on the bubble that needs a couple wins to secure a spot? I think it's Michigan State, and you said it. It's very possible they could knock off a, a Michigan. I think they can beat Michigan one more time. I think they're I think they're good. I think they're good to go. They knock off Maryland, um, which I believe they did a few weeks ago, which they yeah, they did knock on Maryland a few weeks ago. Or no, they lost, but again, a revenge game. You you get you know, you get the run match against a very good Michigan team. Um I, I think it's the Spartans. Again, and you could face Ohio State too, maybe in the semifinals, which would be another nice win for them. Who is the potential bit stealer in this conference? Um Mine would have to be Indiana. I don't, I'm not very high on them, but I think they're it's the only possible of the teams that are going to the tournament. Again, it's again, it's just, just such a tops and turvy team that again, if they get on a couple, um, if they just have another couple, another few nice games here, I think they could run the table. But for me, it's it's unlikely. But I think it's the one team that could be able to do it. Um, is the Indian Hoosiers if they if they put it together because they have a solid roster, you just can never put it together for 40 minutes. Okay, what is your prediction for who is going to win and who's going to get to the finals of the Big Ten tournament? 
Um, for me, I got Illinois based on Ohio State with Illinois being the winner. We agree again. I got I got Illinois over Ohio State with Illinois being the winner. So we agree on two of the conference of the conference of tournaments. But we're going to go to the Big Twelve, arguably the best conference in uh, in in college basketball. Uh, I think my previous tournament. I hope Kate Cunningham's one hundred percent because I would love to watch Kate Cunningham in this tournament, especially play against Baylor because they beat West Virginia. They would play Baylor in the semifinals. But and I, and I think the loss of McCormick for Kansas is going to be huge. Not having a big man in that tournament. That's why I think I think they're one and done. Uh, in the tournament. What are your thoughts, opening thoughts on the Big 12? Yeah, you know, McCormick's a huge loss. And again, we got to start, he's got to go now seven straight days, I believe, with a negative test, you know, to qualify, you know, be able to play in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, hopefully for Kansas fans, he could be able to do that. But yeah, you know, again, after Baylor, Baylor and Kansas, you know, Kansas probably, you know, not a chimp, but I could see, you know, again, five, six teams possibly winning this Big 12 tournament. It's, it's kind of a conference where anybody can beat anybody on any given night. I'm with you, too. I hope Kate Cunningham um, can play in is 100% against, you know, West, they get West Virginia again. Um, they get another shot at Baylor, too. So, yeah, you know, hopefully, again, watching NC um, come out and say Oklahoma State's ineligible tonight or something. I, I Again, I could see that happening on the NBA, yep, but exactly. we'll find out. So hopefully they're good to go, Oak, Oak State, and you know it, it, this is going to be a fun one. This is a hard question. I'm not even doing the bubble because all seven, seven of those teams are securely in. This is a hard question, the bid-stealing question, because three of these teams are completely out of the tournament, and I, and I, don't, I don't think either of these three, three teams are very good teams. But out of, out of TCU, Kansas State, and, uh, and Iowa State, which one of those three teams has a? Ch- I'm not even gonna say Iowa State. Really, it's TCU and Kansas State. Which one of those two teams has a chance to, to be a bid stealer and could make a big run in this tournament? Come on, you don't think Iowa State could? They, they got have two, two wins. They have two wins. I know they almost beat Baylor after Baylor came back from COVID, but they have two yeah. wins. Yeah, it, it's uh, been a long, long year for Iowa State. But uh, yeah, you know the, the, the possibility of all three of those. Again, I think it's TCU with Jamie Dixon. Um, sitting at that eighth spot, it, again, could they beat Baylor? Probably not, but you can That's never go wrong. They can't yeah. go wrong, Jamie Dixon, but the problem is the winner of that 8-9 game is going to play Baylor. Yeah. You know, they have a good um, backcourt with um, R.J. Um, Niebuhr, Nieb, Niebhard and, um, and uh, Mike Miles, the freshman. Um, again, both those two average 15 and 13. So, again – Great guard play can get you wins, you know, in March. I don't know if they could do enough for their for their team because they don't have other pieces that could score, um, especially if you play a Baylor. But I think with their guards, again, it's I don't I'm not very high on them winning, but I out of the three of them, I think they they have the best chance to uh, steal a bid. Uh, prediction for the ch- champion and the team that's going to get to the final. Um, I got Baylor, and then I'm gonna take my my one of my favorites in um uh, Chris Beard. I think maybe Texas. Of Tech course, of course, you take Texas Tech. You take your guy Chris Beard. Yeah, I think they can. I I I you know I don't really know Texas right now. They're still you know up and down for me. The way Texas Tech can defend, if somebody other than Mac McClung could hit a shot for this Texas Tech team, they could be really dangerous. So I'll take Chris Beard. In the Red Raiders, but I, I got Baylor winning this whole thing. Um, again, with the four guards that they have, it's just I don't. Again, as long you know, as long as they play well enough, they can beat anybody in this conference in, in the uh, country. 
I got a ba- I got Baylor over uh, Texas. I'll disagree with you with the team I got in the final. I'll go. Mm-hmm. I'm taking your boy Chris Beard. I'm going Baylor over Texas, and you'll get a text from me uh, on Thursday if Texas beats Texas Tech, saying that your boy Chris Beard lost. I'm going Baylor over Texas in the final uh, for me. But we'll go to the ACC, and all I'm really going to preview is this is one of the worst ACCs in a long time. That's pretty much all I got to say about the ACC. I think this is an overrated conference. I don't know why they're getting. The, I don't know why they're getting top announcers to do their games. This conference is overrated. This is arguably maybe even the fourth best conference in college basketball right now. Your thoughts on the ACC tournament? Yeah, it's a very down year. Virginia, their best wins at um, Clemson right now. They had not been a top level team at all. Florida State, again, I. Leonard Hamilton worries me. Virginia Tech, they've had a couple of COVID. They played like three games in February. Yeah, it's a really down ACC season. Again, it's Duke because Duke, North Carolina, Louisville. I had an exciting game last night between Notre Dame and Wake Forest, though. That, that was. I, I'll be honest. I did watch 30, all 30 seconds of that. So That's all you watched because you were, you were into the small, you were into the Horizon League. Horizon. You were into the, you know, NEC. You were yeah, into the other colonial a lot of conference. You were probably glued yeah. to those games. Didn't care about you know the the, the the ACC tournament last night. No, I was not. Uh, that, yes, I was all in. Poor Brian. I thought Brian. This was the year Jerry Grass. So name to watch out for in a few years uh, for a big time gig. But yeah, it's a very down ACC again. It's, it was the toughest one for me to predict because I, I do think anything could really happen in the ACC tournament because there's just no consistency out of any of these teams. I think the only team. In this ACC, that could get to the second week in, in the NCAA tournament, Florida State. But I'm not even. Again, there's just always there's cause for concern for for me for Florida State to even get out of that. So, who is your team? I think this is a pretty obvious question. We know what color they wear. Who is your team on the bubble that needs a couple of wins to secure a spot in the NCAA tournament? I think it's Cuse. Um, on, you know, I'm not, and you know me, I'm not the biggest Cuse fan in the world. They're up 43 to 38 right now against NC State at the half. Um, that NC State is not their best player, though. But it, look, if they Syracuse can win today, they knock off Virginia tomorrow. I think it'll be enough. For oh, Syracuse. they're in. If they beat Virginia tomorrow, they're in. We'll get to in and yeah. out, but they're in. If they beat Virginia. Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'm with you. They'll, they'll they'll be in the field. So um, again, they pick up today, pick up tomorrow. They, they, you know, they'll they'll be dancing. Who is the potential bid stealer in this conference? I'm, you might say that team is wearing that team wears blue and is pretty popular. Yeah, you know, just the other team I despise with all, you know. But you have to, yeah. though. You have to just because yes, of Coach K, to. you have to. You have to. I, I have to. It, it's a team look. Look, I know everybody was, oh my God, they blew up uh, Boston College by 30 last okay, night. Boston College is yeah. terrible. They, their best player transferred out. Their coach got fired. They, they, they've had COVID shutdown. They at one point had, they were playing with four scholarship players. So, Congrats. You beat Boston College. Tonight's going to be a good one against Louisville. Um, but, it, look, yes, it's Coach K. Um, he can win some games in March. Um, again, if Matthew Hurt and somebody else can step up for that team, yeah, they're a very dangerous team, and it's tough to stop them. So, yeah, it, again, it, it's it's Duke. I think it's kind of favorable. Um, they kind of got a favorable road, I feel like, too. Um, so, I, you know, again, I think they could beat Florida State. And at three, Virginia Tech, it's not a – Real ACC three seed as normal, so I got Duke. Yes, who is your uh, prediction in in the final uh, of this conference and your champion? Yeah, I, this was the toughest one to predict for me. I got you. I got chalk here. I got UVA, Florida State. I just 
I just I don't trust anybody else at the moment. And I got on Florida State winning the ACC championship. And we agree again. I was lazy, and I went chalk in this conference. I went Florida State over Virginia in, in the championship game. But we will go to the uh, SEC, and I'm not wasting time doing a preview of the SEC. I don't watch – Kentucky being so bad, I don't watch SEC basketball enough to really give an opening thought about it. So we're just, we're just going to get to questions. Uh, who is the team on the bubble in the SEC that needs this to secure, a couple, to secure some wins to get to the NCAA tournament? I get Ole Miss. Uh, they've been playing better, winning three out of the last four. The way they play defense, if they can hit enough shots, I think Ole Miss could – I love Kermit Davis. I think he's a phenomenal coach. Uh, we all remember him knocking off Tom Izzo at Middle Tennessee. Um, I think, you know, now it's – again, so I assume you haven't seen much LSU or Arkansas. Both those teams can fly out shoot. Both those teams do not play much defense. So, again, Ole Miss defense comes to play. They can knock down some shots against these guys. I could see Ole Miss sitting there as a six seed in the championship game. And for the bid stealer question, I think people are wondering, are you going to take another blue blood to be the bid stealer in this conference? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I got to go with Kentucky. Um, you know, it hurts me to say that, but I, I you know, I love great Martin teams in February and March, but this year, again, I don't know what happened. They're not, they're not very good. Uh, so I can't take them. Kentucky, look at times, their offense is a juggernaut, but at times it's just like they're clueless and they have no idea what they're doing out there. Again, we saw um, when they played Alabama, um, they had a chance to win, and John Calipari changed an entire lineup. And, again, the five guys on the floor had no idea what what was going on. Um, again, a couple of good days for Kentucky. I could see them running the table here. Um, not – very high on them, but again, I, again, I, it's it's possible. It, it really, it really is. Again, because it's Alabama and Arkansas aren't your that you know regular SEC basketball kind of top of the uh, standings type teams. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what's your what's your final? What's your prediction in the final of this conference and your winner? Um, I got Bama and Ar- I got Chalk. Yeah, I do Chalk. think. I- yeah. I don't like Tennessee's offense at all. Right oh, Tennessee's now. been a total disappointment all year. I feel like yeah. they can't win on the road at all. No, and that's why I can't take them. You know, LSU just does not play any defense. What Eric Musselman has done at Arkansas is very, very impressive. You know who's at um, Arkansas right now, Steve? Who? Former UConn, uh, you, uh, Vance Jackson. Remember Vance? Vance Jackson. Yeah, I remember Vance a little bit. A little bit of Vance he Jackson. Does I not play at all. Yeah, yeah. of course. He's he's another. Who's a Kevin, Kevin Ollie recruit, right? I, yeah, I like surprise him. me. He's a top hundred kid. He was top one hundred. Yeah, I didn't, didn't like live, him. Didn't live up to potential though. No, he did not. Because uh, he had the NBA body, but it, he had a nice shot, but it just has not panned out for him. I'm going to take Arkansas. Arkansas has won 11 straight SEC games. Their last loss came on January 28th, I believe, in the SEC Big 12 um, Challenge against Oklahoma State. Arkansas is playing really well. Um, again, if they're, if they're on, they're on Moose's, uh, Moss's Moody, one of the top players in college basketball, probably the top freshman or, or one of the top freshmen right now in college basketball. See, if you haven't seen him play yet, you will learn his name. Oh, he I know, I know. Okay. I know of him. So, I know. Well, then our audience will learn of his name very, very soon. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I got shocked too, but I got my boy Moses Moody winning the conference over Alabama. I mean, I got, I got shocked again, Arkansas over Alabama in the final on Sunday. We'll wrap up uh, our conference previews talking about the Pac-12. This is another conference they're on too late for me to really pay that much attention to, and so uh, we're not doing. A, I'm not going to do a preview, but I'll ask a couple of questions to Justin. Who is the bubble team that that needs to secure a spot? 
And I kind of know where you're probably going is another, you know, blue blood program that was great back in the seventies. Uh, who are you talking? I got Stanford. Stanford. Oh yeah. With Zaire Williams. I was you yeah. know, I thought maybe UCLA. Uh, oh, no, UCLA? I know. I think, you know, I think they're securely in right now. I think they're in. Even I with that loss on Saturday it. and they blew that lead against USC. That was a bad loss, but I, I think they're at eight, nine. I think they're in the eight, nine game right now. Oh really? Um, yeah, I think they're good right now. I think they're okay right Stanford, now. Stanford, I don't think is in the tournament right now, but no. Zaire Williams is a got a lot of potential. Yeah, he does. It's kind of been he's been kind of up and down. You know, they've had some injuries. It's a Stanford team at the beginning of the year was playing really well. Um, COVID, I believe, you know, um, they missed a couple of games. They've had some injuries, and it's kind of been up and down year for Stanford. They're not playing very well. They've lost four straight, but again, kind of reset the slate here. Um, and I think, you know, they have, they would play USC in Colorado. Um, I think if they can win some games, they could go right back on the ball. They were about a few weeks ago. It's just been a rough few weeks for the Sanford Cardinal. Yeah. And, uh, who is your team that could be a bid stealer? I got the other Hurley brother here. I got Bobby Hurley. In the with Remy the Martin. Team. They've underachieved. Yeah. They've underachieved all year with Remy Martin. Yeah. Well, Josh Rivers, Christopher has been hurt all year. They've had a couple other injuries that have just, Absolutely just rocked them. And Marcus Bagley as well has been hurt most of the year. Um, it, it's been a tough year. I believe they're going to be out for this tournament as well. But, again, I, they're playing the 8-9 game. They have some talent. Remy Martin, again, if anybody could help out Remy Martin, Arizona State could win some games in this tournament. Uh, Bobby Hurley's not the greatest late-game coach. He's even worse than Danny if you've ever seen it. But I think Arizona State could win some games here and, again, be, possibly win – uh, steal the bid. Uh, tournament. Uh, who do you got in the final? Who got winning it? Um, I got the Oregon Ducks. Again, th- I don't know how this team's not ranked. I never agree with Boo Wallen, but he said Oregon's a top 15 team in the country, and I absolutely agree with him. This is a scary team. Um, I love Dana Oldman, like the last five or six years, I think in the month of March against Pac 12 teams, is like 24 and 3. Um, I got the Oregon Ducks, and then I got the three seed Colorado Buffalo. I love Ooh. the way they play defense. Um, USC, they've been playing better, but I, you know, I still very up and down. They've, they've been better late. I guess you got to kind of cheer for them. It makes you kind of win even look better. Um, but I'll take Dana Oldman, the Oregon Ducks. I got Mobley and I got USC winning it over Oregon in the final. So before we get to in and out, we'll talk about the four potential number one seeds. Probably are going to be the four number one seeds in the tournament with Gonzaga who finished the regular season undefeated winning the, winning the West coast conference. last night. got a little bit of a scare from BYU, but they won the West Coast Conference last night. You got Michigan, who has not played well of late. They've lost two or three of late going into the tournament. Uh, as one of the other the other candidate, you got ba- you got Baylor as 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 one of them too. Obviously, I think one of the best teams in the country, and I think Illinois winning ten of eleven. They've been playing better than anybody in the country. But I think how it's going to end up being ranked is after this. I think you got Gonzaga is going to be the overall number one seed because they're undefeated. Even though I don't think they're the best team because I don't like their I don't think their defense is great. I think they'll be the overall number one seed. I think Baylor is eventually going to be the number two seed because I think they're going to win their tournament and Michigan's not. I think Michigan will be the number three because of their record. And I'll go Illinois, even though I think they're going to win their tournament, they'll be the number four seed. How do you got the number four seeds shaping out for the tournament? Um, I I'm agree, agree with the, um, the first two. I'm going to flip-flop three and four. I think, I, I think if Illinois runs the table here again, I think because I think now they have nine or ten quad one wins, I think. And again, they would add probably another one or two in the Big 12, ter- Big 10 tournament. So I feel like Illinois, if Michigan goes on to Michigan State again, I feel like Illinois could sneak past him and get that third number one seed. 
Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens there. I I just think because of record, that's why I think Michigan's yeah. gonna get that third seed. I could see it happening, um, definitely. But again, I you know the way they're playing right now for Michigan, I I kind of you know they're going in two different directions. Them in Illinois, I could possibly see it. Yeah, Michigan three, Illinois four. But I feel like if Michigan loses again, the Michigan State Illinois wins this whole thing. I feel like they, they've done enough Illinois to be able to pass. Um, past Michigan for that number three overall spot. I, you know, just the way they're playing. I like teams that are playing well in March, and that's kind of, you know, Illinois has been able to do that lately. They absolutely have. And it's going to be interesting to see what the committee does on Sunday, on Selection Sunday, this Sunday. But talking about Selection Sunday, we got our game in and out. We got 10 teams this week. Justin will decide if those teams are in the tournament or out of the tournament. So we'll start with the Maryland Terrapins. 15 and 12 in, uh, in, in overall. 9-11 in conference play. We know you don't like teams that are under 500 in conference play. Just had a bad loss to Penn State on Sunday. Justin, the Maryland Terrapins, in or out? I have them in right now by last four that I did. Um, it's a team right now that really started out fast. And, but, yeah, it's kind of been a struggle the last few weeks. I feel like if they knock off Michigan State, I feel like they're squarely in. I feel like if they lose, it's going to be a long few days for Maryland fans. I do have Maryland at the moment in the tournament. Michigan State, the team they'll be playing on Thursday afternoon. 15-11 overall, 9-11 and 11 in conference play, but they've had some big wins. Big wins over uh, – they had a big win over Illinois. They've had a big win over Michigan at home. Playing really well right now, in or out. I have my first team out. It's the net read that kind of – Back me off here. It's a 65, which is the, is the um, lowest of all the bubble teams right now. Again, uh, that kind of scares me a bit for this team. But look, they knock off Michigan again. They beat Maryland. I think they're. I think they'll do enough. They're my first team out of the field right now. I even think if they beat Maryland, they'll be okay. But again, a possible bid steal, and they could kind of be that first seed in the uh, NIT. The, you know, they'll be the NIT number one overall seed. Ooh, ooh, you got you got the Lamar Lenardi loves them, but you don't love me. <laughs> They're all the yeah, yeah, of course Lenardi loves them. Uh we got next team, Drake. 25 and 4 overall, 15 and 3 in conference play, lost in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference Championship game to Loyola Chicago on Sunday. Justin, in or out for Drake? I got them in. And look, I know they lost, but their two best players are out, which they will both be back in the um, NCAA tournament to go to their set. They, they'd be ready to go. Their top two, Roman Penn and Jaquan uh, um, Hempster. Um, again, this team started 18 to 0. They had a couple injuries. And again, now they're sitting here in the boat. I'd rather have a Drake Bulldog team in here than a mediocre Power 5 team. Come on. Like, we all want to see these mid major teams, you know, make a run. It's, you know, put them in. I, I have them I have them as the last four in. I put them in the last four or last four out of five, but I know that Frank Tiles really don't have them there. But I have this team in. They they deserve to be in there. You can't penalize them for the non conference schedule because, again, it's the eye test. And when this team was fully healthy, this, this team was really, really good. I, I got Drake in. We go to the Mountain West Conference. Jace's mom's alma mater, Utah State, eighteen and seven overall, of uh, fifteen and four in the Mountain West. Justin, Utah State, in or out? I'm sorry, I, Jace. Right now, I have them the last 
or the first four out at the moment. I think this is a team that I think they're going to end up winning the Mountain West right now. I, I like the way they're playing. You think they're better than um, San Diego State? I think they're playing better right now. I don't know if they're better than San Diego State, but I really like the way they're playing Utah State. With Justin Bean and um, Nasquez, um Puente, one of the best big men in the country, I think they are uh, um, definitely have a chance. I think they um, swept San Diego State, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, they did at home. Um but I, I like the Aggies. I like this team. I like Justin Dean as well. I have them right now as the last four out. The two losses to Boise a few weeks ago does hurt them. You know, uh, does hurt kind of being that bubble conversation or not. Speaking of Boise State, that is the next team. 18 and 7 overall, 15 and also 15 and 4 in conference play. Boise State in or out. I have them out. They had an opportunity to get San Diego State on the road at least once would have did it for me. Um, but, again, two close losses and then a loss to Fresno State um, last Tuesday. For me, I have them as a first four out at the moment. Um, again, they did, as I just mentioned, beat Utah State before that. They're nets of 44. I do like this Boise team. They have some talent, and I think it's a team that could be very dangerous if they get in. Um, but right now, the first four out, I just – the three-game losing streak here, again, um, is a little troubling for me. Our last Mountain West team, Colorado State. 17-5 and five overall, 14-4 and four in conference play. Colorado State in or out? I got them as the last four um, with the um, – I got them as the last four without a bye. Um, wow, you like them. I do like them. They're 17-5, and five, actually, you just mentioned. Um, they came off a big COVID um, layoff here, but – They've won three or four. They lost a tough one last week. I do really like this team. Um, you know, again, the tough loss to St. Mary's as well. They didn't, you know, that was kind of the one big non-conference game. But, again, you can't penalize them. I do think this um, with Isaiah Stevens, a sophomore, this Colorado State's got some talent. And I, I do like Colorado State. Their net's a 50 at the moment, which is kind of high. But I think they've done enough. As long as they win one game in the tournament, Mountain West tournament, they should be fine. St. Louis, uh, fourteen and six overall, six and four in conference play. Lost in the A10 semis uh, last last week to uh, St. Bonaventure. Justin, St. Louis, in or out? I am the next four out at the moment, and I really was high on the team at the beginning of the year. The COVID pause really just wrecked the team's uh, season. They did get a nice run, win before the regular season ended against Richmond. Um, but again, loss of the Dayton and BCU, which, you know, again, the, the Dayton game, they didn't even look like they belonged. Uh, this is a solid team that did beat LSU right at the beginning of the year. They, but I just, you know, with the COVID pause, they're just not playing good basketball. Even Saturday against St. Bonaventure, they just did not look like they belonged in the same floor as them. I have them the, first, the next four out. I did really, really like this team, but again, I just, you know, Lately, I have not seen a lot from them to um, put them over the hump right now. We're going to finish with three teams that are in the, the, the Power Six conference, conferences. We're going to start with Syracuse, 15-8 and eight overall, 9-7 and seven in the ACC. Playing, uh, they're playing right now in the ACC tournament. Uh, they're, you said they were winning over a Louis, Louisville. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, I mean over, uh, over NC State. They're still winning? Yeah, they're, they're 18 now, so they should be fine. Today. So, yeah, so Syracuse, in or out? All right, um, I got them right now as my last team on the first four outline. 
But, yes, they're going to probably win today as long as they don't choke this one away. They beat Virginia tomorrow. It'll be enough. Their net's a 49. They win today and win tomorrow. I think they're in. Again, they're, they've are they been playing better. They knocked out North Carolina Clemson at home. Uh, tough loss to Georgia Tech on the road. But uh, lately, it's been you – know, they've been playing better. And I got Syracuse just get 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 to uh um get to Friday and you know be good. We'll wrap up in the Big East. We'll start with Xavier, thirteen and seven overall. But something you don't like under five hundred in conference play. Xavier in or out? I have them right now in my last four. I have them as my last team in right now. Um, thirteen and seven. Um. Yeah, it's a team that's has not again nice win against Creighton, but the last two games against um, two bad losses. Nate Johnson, who was the best um, three point percentage um, three point shooter in the country, is out for the year. Paul Strugs has, has been banged up, but he played well Saturday. If he kind of comes back healthy, Zach Fremantle, uh, they're sitting there as a seven seed again with everything going on with Creighton. They just beat them. They make it to the semifinals. I think you know they they're good, but as long as they get um, a win tonight against Butler, and as long as they don't get blown out against the Korean, I think their ticket will be punched. As long as there's no big big bid sealers here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they beat Creighton uh, Thursday night, they're completely in. Oh yeah, yes, I, totally. I, I yeah, they'll, they'll be Dan. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the last team is uh, Seton Hall. 13 and 12 overall, 10 and 9 in conference play. They haven't been playing well. They haven't been playing well lately. They got a huge one on Thursday against St. John's. In or out for Seton Hall? I got them out right now. Um, again, yeah, four straight losses. Again, they had two opportunities to get two card wins. You know, Homer's the UConn last Wednesday, and then Saturday night against St. John's with one of their best players, Pacheco's was out. They couldn't do it. I think they got to get to the Big East Finals. Maybe even win the Big East Finals again. Because, again, the 13-12 record really kind of, I feel, again, you know. What happens if they beat – what happens if they beat Villanova in the in the semis? But I know it's not a, it's not a healthy Villanova team, though. That's another thing yeah. you got to consider. And that's the thing. I don't know how rewarding Kamei would be without more and Colin Gillespie. I think it depends how, of how Villanova looks as a whole. But I don't know how much – you know, credit they're going to get for that. So that's why I feel like it's safe to get to the Big East Finals and probably going to have to win it. But depending on how they look, um, seeing always got some work to do this week. Absolutely, absolutely. So to recap, you got Maryland, you got Drake, uh, you got uh, Xavier, and you got uh, Colorado State in the tournament. I knew you were going to pick four out of four out of the ten because it was just pretty much for me. It was you know I thought you were going to have four teams fighting for ten spots. So before you have in, you got Michigan State, uh, Utah State, uh, Boise State, St. Louis, and uh, Seton Hall out of the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Selection Sunday, and it should be a fun championship week. And definitely, uh, we'll see what these bubble teams do. But before we wrap up our college basketball talk, we got to talk about a team that is close to us who's playing for the NCAA tournament. Gallagher doing a great job. We even I even said you know they were they were they were competitive with UConn this year. I thought they'd have a good year in the America East, and they have as they're playing for the America. Too bad they can't have fans at at, uh, at the Chase family at the at the at the, at the pavilion on uh, on 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 Saturday. But you know, got Hartford and UMass Lowell playing for the American Conference tournament. Uh, who I mean, I know you like Hartford. How much do you like Hartford in on Saturday? Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough one. You know, UMass Lowell, 
their best player has been back. Again, this is the first time, you know, both teams have been in a, in the American Exchange game. UMass Lowell's only beat D1 here for five or six years. Um, Ordell, um, or, or Dua Noel, um, UMass is the world's best player. He's been back and he's been healthy. Um, he's a phenomenal scorer. It, um, he's got a guy to watch out for, for the Riverhawks. Again, they came back into UMBC on Saturday. I actually watched that one. They're getting blown out for a while and they came storming back. They know they knocked off my New Hampshire Wildcats last week or two weeks ago. Um, and then for Hartford, um, Austin Williams, a transfer from Maris. I don't know why he did not play at Maris because Maris is not very good, but he, he's been such a um, great player on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, averaging 13 points and uh, six rebounds a game. He's been really good. Hartford's defense is really, really solid against a UMass little team that, can, you know, runs up and down the floor. Um, it's scores some points. Yeah, it stinks that um, there's not going to be any fans there. I won actually a couple years ago, uh, Hartford game, and they played New Hampshire. It's actually a nice little arena they got in there. Um, really nice arena. But, yeah. And I got Hartford winning this one. Hopefully, they can finally get over the hump and get to their first uh, NCAA tournament berth. That would be pretty cool, you know. Um, always cheering for those guys. They may have to probably play in the playing game, but maybe depending. Um, they're still in the tournament. They're still, even if they're yeah, playing the they're playing game, they're still in the tournament. And you got to be so happy for John Gallagher. When you took yeah. over this program, they were a complete disaster. I think they were 8-20. and 20. They were a total disaster. And John Gallagher, Gallagher has done a phenomenal job. I've met him a couple times. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. He's done a great job with this program. And I'll be rooting really, really hard for him on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I definitely will be too. Um, I think he gave him an extension to last April or March, actually, I believe. Um, he got another D, you know, extension, which again, it's, you know, he's been doing it with the international. They got like seven or eight guys. They joined Carroll a couple years ago um, from Ireland, was a really solid player. So, yeah, he's, he's done a tremendous job with his Hartford program. Um, it's, yeah, a tough spot, but, you know, to be able to compete, you know, at Hartford and with this conference. So, yeah, totally did a great job. We thought about because last year was the first time they ever were, and they unfortunately, they were supposed to play Ramon and then, you know, Obviously, they shut down. Um, but, yeah, so this is actually the first time. And, yeah, I got Hartford um, winning that close one. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'll be rooting on Hartford on uh, Saturday. But we got to wrap up the show with some unfortunate news, and this is with uh, Les Miles. I mean, you know, I, to me, I don't know how Kansas doesn't do a background check and know this stuff was going on in 2013. I think Les Miles absolutely should have been fired. He was placed on administrative leave last week, fired on Monday. He should have been fired. The stuff he was doing there in 2013 at LSU was completely inexcusable. My only issue, though, is with Kansas is how do you not know about this stuff? But, but uh, how is this stuff coming out now? How did you not know about this stuff? How did you not do a background check? That's that's the sh- shame on Kansas there. But you know, less miles in my opinion. They finally did the right thing and they fired him. Yeah, you know, and um, what's the you know the AD um, Long again? He rushed to get Les Miles hired. I, he didn't really. I think because they fired Beatty and then it was immediately right after Les Miles. So I, I they just rushed into it. He kind of again. I know it was trying to be the flashy hire here and trying to get this Kansas program off off of the ground. But, yeah, unfortunately, it just, you know, obviously it's the right thing to, to fire him and let him go with all this. LSU just kept it under wraps, too. You know, to, you know uh, again, you know, the old AD said he wanted to fire, but LSU didn't want to be fired. It was still when he was doing well there. And, again, that's what college football does at the time. You know, guys bringing in all his money and all this for, for college – 
your university, people let it go. Unfortunately, it's not the right thing to do, but it happens. And again, it's not right. It was an awful thing by LSU to do and let's, you know, they keep this quiet for these years. But yeah, it's the right move by Kansas. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, it's obviously the right move. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. That's going to wrap it up on Sports Talk with RNJ. For Jace Garcia, our producer, did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We will, be be, we will be back next week. We've got a huge show talking about free agency in the NFL and the beginning of March Madness. We get it for the first time in two years. So I'm really excited for that. Enjoy the conference tournaments, everyone, and have an outstanding weekend. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's Ovi's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform.